Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. Today, Tina Spring, my lovely podcast part, podcast, well, it's like a podcast because she has a pug. So my podcast partner, Tina, is... I totally want to be a podcast partner. A podcast partner. Okay. So the podcast partner had a great idea that what we talk about today is crate training and why it's important, how to do it, and what do you do if you you have the recalcitrant crate trainer, the dog who perhaps had a a, a harrowing experience in a crate and doesn't want to go back. But the really important thing to understand is that uh, crates can be incredibly important to your dog in situations where um, they have to be crated, they have to be kept quiet, um, either for health reasons or, as we know with the, um, the California wildfires that are going on right now, uh, if dogs are going to be rescued, they need to be crated because that's the only safe way to transport them and to keep not only them, but the people who are trying to help them safe. So, Tina, with that, you want to talk a little bit about the importance of crate training. Why is it we want to crate train our dogs? So it's interesting because it is a cultural issue. In Europe, they don't really no, crate train dogs. They don't. They don't. And I always wonder, and maybe maybe one of our international listeners will reflect back to us what they do, but what, what do they do when they have a dog who is recovering from a significant surgery and needs exercise restriction, or if they have to evacuate them or if the dog is sick? Um, cause I always wonder like, how would you do that without a crate? If I needed to get my four dogs and cat into the car so that we could escape God forbid, an earthquake, wildfires, some sort of natural Bigfoot, exactly. Um, An invasion of Mothman. How would I do that without crates? There's no way, right? We would have to take, I don't know, separate cars because the new 10-year-old terrier, one, is like, I don't know, a pinball in a pinball machine when you have him in the car. But, But two... He would totally and completely devour the cat. And sadly, that is not hyperbole. So how would we be able to do this if we if my dogs weren't fluent in crate training? Right. So when I talk to families, one of the first questions I asked, it's part of my intake form, is like, do you use a crate with the dog? And lots of times people are like, oh, well, I used it to house train. But then we stopped using it. And since then, all these major behavior problems have shown up. And, and I always try to explain to people, I don't think crates are, I don't use crates just to keep the dog from eliminating indiscriminately in my home. I use crates to keep guests to my home safe, to keep my dogs safe, to give them the, the breaks that they need from mm-hmm. guests or storms or whatever. Um, and also in a multiple dog household like mine, where the dogs are, well, let's just call them fascinating. I could not give super high value enrichment toys and objects and have everybody be out together. Like the, the level of mayhem and foolishness would be ludicrous. 
So instead, those things happen in crates and I put a little hazard warning on the crates so that Christopher's aware so that if I've gone to work and the dog's got super high value stuff, he's aware before he just opens crates and let everybody out. Um, but I just, I don't know how people do it without crate training. I mean, maybe with one solitary dog, but even then, if your dog gets a cruciate ligament tear, if your dog gets sick, they're gonna be crated. And I don't want to add insult to injury. Right. Well, I was thinking what you were just saying about, um, the, um, crates. One of the things that, that I encourage my owners is, uh, especially with puppies is that, um, not just use it for crate training, but to use it like when the puppy is acting like a, you know, a three-year-old toddler who needs a nap. Well, you, congratulations. You have a three-year-old toddler who needs a nap and a crate's a great place to put it. But one of the things that I always tell them is that, um, as far as I'm concerned, crates are in volley and, and, and you can't go in. I had the right word. It slipped out of my mouth the wrong way. Anyway, they're inviolate. When, which means that, you know, if your dog is in the crate, you cannot reach in and pull the dog out. I said, unless there's like a house fire, but then I'm thinking you should just pick up the crate, but, um, you can ask your dog to come out of the crate. You can offer them a treat if they want to come out of the crate, but nobody, but nobody gets to reach in and drag my dog out of a crate. And, like when Zuzu had, um, when my grandkids were here and my office was her safe place to be, if the gate was closed, there was a sign on it that said Zuzu's alone zone. And which meant that you cannot come in here unless you ask me. And so I think that it's really important to understand that crates need to be a safe harbor for dogs, not just a, a safe place for them to be while they recover, but it needs to be a safe haven for them so that it's something that, that they don't object to, is something that is actually comforting and welcoming to them. And I think that if you think of it that way, is everybody having, it's kind of like I had a client who has just had an awful day and I said, you know, you really just need a cup of tea and a book and a quiet moment to yourself. And think of it that way for our dogs, that sometimes the crates provide for them that same kind of break from humanity that we all need. Well, and especially now during COVID. Oh, yeah. Right? Like everybody's home and everybody's stressed out. Most of us are getting far more deliveries every week than we were receiving before. So the dog who was used to mom and dad and the kids are gone eight hours a day. We sleep eight hours at night and there's two deliveries a week are suddenly like never given a break. Right. Never. Like we're constantly with them. And, and while ideally that's a good thing, I think it's important to remember that it's a stressful thing too. So let's say I get the customer who tried to introduce the crate when the puppy was very young and the puppy never really took to it. And they just, I hear this bannered about all the time, like, oh, he has separation anxiety. I'm like, he doesn't have separation anxiety. We just never actually taught him how to have a limit. Because honestly, if you, unless your dog is trying to battle the way out of your house, they don't actually mind being contained. Right? Because they're contained in your house. Right. So right. it just becomes a skill set of how do we make where the dog is contained smaller and safer and a happy thing. Um, 
So I, I, it, it turns out apparently Ian Dunbar also had this really great idea in a little bit different pair of pants. The way I've always done it with a dog who is like, no, 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 I don't like a crate is I warm up a little bit of shredded pork from a local barbecue place. Um, no sauce. Thank you very much. I just warm it up enough that my nose registers it and goes, oh, there's pork. Um, I throw about a, a eighth or a quarter of a cup of it into the crate and I close the door with the dog on the outside. And then we let the negotiations begin. So when the dog is like a cartoon character going, for the love of all that is holy, mom, please open this door and let me in. Then I go, absolutely happy to do that. Open the crate door, dog goes in, eats the pork, comes right back out again. Maybe later on in the day, we do the same thing again. Like I'm not, it's, there's nothing to see here, right? Like I'm not setting up the next four hours to crate train the dog. Believe it or not, they're on to us at that point. My goal is training that the dog basically does himself. So it's his idea. Right. Which is always, it's always, and and by the way, for those of you who are married, that works for husbands too. (gasps) It does. If you let them think it's their idea, it's going to happen. So um, after nearly 40 years of marriage, I have found that um, just letting him think it's his idea, great. It doesn't really matter. I think Ronald Reagan said it does. It's amazing how much you can get done if you don't care who gets credit for it. So you know what? I wonder if at some point we should have Brad and Chris on. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be hysterical because I wonder how much stuff they've been teaching us and letting us think it's our idea. That's right. That's right. That whole idea might be Brad's idea. Okay. He may be way smarter than we all thought. Yeah, but you know that and, means... And I already thought he was brilliant. Well, you know, the other thing is, so, is that means we can't talk about them if they're on the air, you know, with us. But that's okay. Oh, but we'll let them present. Like we'll present their side so, of the yeah, story. I'm pretty sure both of our men are easy to get along with. <laughs> yeah, I think they kind of that's have to be. Guess. So... But I, I've done the same kind of thing where I haven't I haven't done pork, so I'm going to keep that in mind. I would imagine you could do it with any tasty bee, any meat. You know, it could be beef, it could be chicken. But the thing about pork is it has that really distinct flavor, and most dogs don't get a lot of pork. And so right. that's the other thing is this is new and wonderful. You know, I get chicken so outside has, the crate all the time, right? Right. It has that air of I'm stealing it. Yes. Right. So, so that almost makes it even better. Okay, so so step one for me is random pork delivery to the crate with the door locked until I hear the dog asking. Um, when the dog starts monitoring where I'm going and what I'm doing, which usually doesn't take very long, right? then I start just randomly. Now, again, this is a single dog household. I'm not, I'm not doing this with you know, everybody loose in the house or there would be mayhem. But randomly, I throw food in the crate with the door open and I walk away. And I do that until I don't know where the dog is. (laughs) And the dog is literally coming into my office and going, hey, so lady of the hot dog, um, if you need me, if you've been wondering where the dog is, the dog is actually hanging out in the crate waiting for a hot dog delivery. So they're in ah, there. Like, I get it. I so find the dog, they're in there. So what you're doing is is one. Let's let's see if we can. There's, there's stages to this. One is you're creating desire to be in the crate. 
by not allowing him to have free access to the pork until he basically is promising you that he'll be the best dog ever. And I promise I will never piddle in the house again. And I'll never bite the mailman. Just let me have the pork, right? So you let him in, you let him have the pork. And you do that kind of randomly throughout the day. And then the next step is he's like, I get the pork, then I got to go follow Tina around because you never know when she's going to deliver pork. So maybe I should stick right with her. So how do you fool him? Or don't you? So I randomly, I get up to go use the restroom. I stop in the kitchen. I grab a little something, something. I throw it in the crate. I keep moving. Nothing to see here. Until the dog starts disappearing. And when I go to throw a hot dog in the crate randomly, I'm throwing it like directly into the dog's mouth because he's already in there. Right. Or the dog is like racing in front of me to jump in the crate. Okay. Right. So when those are kind of the two ways that'll Okay, so now you've got a dog who is hanging out in the crate waiting for a hot dog delivery or coming to get you saying it's time for a hot dog delivery. I will go get in the crate if you throw hot dogs at me. Then when do you start being able to close the gate on the door when the dog is in the crate? Okay, so this is very technical. I throw a handful of shredded food in there. I close the crate while the dog is eating. When the Before the dog is done eating, I open the crate door. Okay. I throw a handful of food in, close the door. Dog is eating. Before they're done, I open the door. So my goal is they never start to go, oh, my God, you're locking me in there. Okay. Right? As, as they get good at that, then it's I close the door, treat, treat, treat through the door. I open the door. You can come out. Ah, so you throw some in there, then you treat through the through the open part of the door. Yes. Okay. So they're really supported that this crate thing is just like hot dog from heaven. It okay. raineth summer sausage. Ah. And so, then I start getting sneaky. Okay. So I stuff and freeze a Kong. And I tie it like a pinata to the top of the inside of the crate so the dog can't strangle himself. But the only way to get stuff out of that con is to work it upside down or in the back. So I start intentionally taking things that just take longer and lashing them to the crate window or the crate edges so that the dog is going in there and they can't drag it out. Like if you want to chew on the venison stick, you're going to have to be in your crate to do that. Right. So I'm saying, so it sounds to me like you have all wire crates and not the plastic like airline crates. No, no, I have, actually have all, almost all airline crates. And I use either the, I use the windows to lash. And I have on occasion, I have one old plastic okay. crate that I okay. drilled a hole big enough to drop something through. Right, to, to snake a piece of parachute cord up and tie it so that the dog can't get out. Okay. So it's not a hole big enough that a dog could like get a tooth through it, but it allows me to suspend a, a Kong pinata or a Chewy right. or whatever in there, right? So quickly, I'm, I start going, okay, well, when I, so in the beginning, when I close the door, treats happen. When I open the door, it's so sad, treats stop. Very quickly, your dog will decide just to lie down. 
And so then that's my new criteria. So when you lie down in the crate, treats happen. Ah, when you stand yes. up, oh, it's so sad. The treats are over. And then I just start going from there. So there are other ways okay. to do it. For example, Karen Deeds, who's been on the program before, had a border collie that she was working with who was absolutely no way, no uh -huh. go in the crate. So what she did was taught her to go to a settle mat and to lay on the settle mat and that that was all good fun. And then slowly moved the settle mat until the settle mat was in the crate. And that's how she introduced crating to that dog. Um, I have done it where I put a small crate inside a much, much mm -hmm. larger crate. So the dog was contained and wasn't so fussy about like, oh, I'm being confined, but didn't want to be in an appropriately sized crate. Like it would think Pomeranian right. requiring a Great Dane crate. And the owners were like, yeah, no, that sucks. We don't, we don't want that. We would like mm -hmm. him to like a nice Labrador sized crate. Right. Um, and I have done it with setting up um, a room that the only, that the only soft place to lay down. Yeah. Like a puppy playpen was right. in the crate. So there was a big cushy dog bed in the crate. It was lashed there, so it could not be removed. And you could lay on the on the hard hardwood floor, or you could lay on the big squishy dog bed that's in the crate. It's up to you. I've also done it something similar-ish to the two crate things is to take um uh like Clementine. She had a when she was a puppy. We I put down a flannel back tablecloth on the floor to protect the floor right. in case we had an accident. And then I put her small crate inside an X-Pen. And the, the comfy stuff was in the crate. And then she also had a couple of pee pads if she needed it. But it was allow her yeah. a little bit more room. But when I got treats, the treats were always thrown into the crate part, not into the puppy pen. So you can have like a puppy play pen. And that's actually nice and effective when you're working on house training or when you have kids and you're trying to create dinner and you don't necessarily, you want the dog to be part of the environment but not underfoot a doggy playpen can work really nicely and then with the crate if the dog crawls in there it's a little bit right. quieter a little bit safer a little bit softer so it learns to settle around kids too so i found that to be really effective what i would tell you the one thing because you know not that clementine did this clementine my, my bad dog when you have the x pen and you can create this hexagon with it right Clip it oh, at nice. both the top, and, and binder clips are really great to hold the two ends of an X-Pen together. Yeah, but make sure you do the top and the bottom, because if you just do the top, guess what? The dog can part the bottom and escape. So make sure you, you uh, secure both top and bottom. That's um, a little bit of practical experience. Well, and I think sometimes people, I think sometimes people think crates are just for... Um, for puppies and you know my household has gone through tremendous loss of multiple dogs over the last few years and all of my old dogs at some point like they're a little bit disoriented and so putting them in a crate isn't really fair they're kind of distressed but using an x-pen or a drop-through crate or they get vestibular or they're a little bit arthritic. And so curling up in a crate isn't really comfortable. 
I do the same thing when I'm teaching an X-Pen and I really like Fresh Patch. Right. So my, for example, my senior dogs, none of them were willing mm-hmm. to go on a pee pad. That felt like they were being bad dogs. But if I brought Fresh Patch, which is like a, um, oh, what do they call it? Grass. It, well, okay. Smarty pants. So yes, but it's sod was actually the word I was looking for. Having sod that the dog could go on grass removed some of their distress. That still felt familiar to them. Right. And and you can stick. And it's not just you're putting. One, one of the things you need to remember, too, is we're not telling you just to bring in rolls of sod and lay them down in your kitchen. You can. You could do that, and and your dogs would love you for that. But you can get like a a, a yeah. dog um, a tray and stick it in there so that everything is contained within a somewhat sanitary environment. And I would absolutely say you need a number of barriers between your actual flooring and where you're going to put the sod. Um, but what was interesting to me with senior dogs and using sod was that. It doesn't stink. There's something about the microbe of the soil that it doesn't get. Now, huh. now I ordered two so that sod A could be in the house on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And sod B could be outside Monday, Wednesday, and Friday getting water and sunshine and aired out. And then swip, switch them if we needed to. But I really found being able to set my dog up, my senior dog, so that he wasn't distressed, but I wasn't coming home to a huge unmitigated disaster every day. That would, it just made you not want to come home. And I loved those dogs so much. I didn't want to euthanize over something as simple as house soiling. So I needed to get a little creative and come up with ways to manage that dog that didn't add to their distress, was easy to take care of. It's easy to pick up poop off sod. Um, the urine doesn't really stink unless you're letting it get, you know, old in there and worked really well. And most of those dogs had a plastic crate cut in half. Like we took the top off. It wasn't actually cut in half. We took the top and the door off. So they still had that tighter den kind of feel if they wanted it, like if they needed a doggy hug in a crate. But, but they didn't have to be restricted in moving their upper body the way they do in an enclosed crate. So it's, it's the same kind of thing with, um, with, with puppies in the sense that what you're providing them with is not just a place where um, I – crating is not just for people. Okay, crating is for the dogs too. You're providing them with a, a place that is comfortable and comforting to them. And you can help them learn that the crate's a good place to be so that at the time comes, like if you have, I mean, there's just almost innumerable situations in which your dog is going to have to be confined or, you know, restricted. Like if your dog right. gets heartworm, we're talking, what, three months of crates? Um and uh, if you have ACL surgery or, heaven forbid, um, this time of year we have hurricanes and fires and all kinds of things. And so in order to provide something for your dog to be safely transported in and give you a better chance of, of, of him and you being rescued, 
crates are going to be the thing to come to the, to your rescue there. So um, I think it is important for, for dogs to understand crates are our friends, not prison. Well, and again, like it's in the car right now, you do have to secure them in such a way that when you take a corner, you're not turning it into some sort of bizarre amusement park ride for the dogs. But even if that happened, even if you even if you had it sorted out that it you thought it was secure and, you know, the universe had a sense of humor and played a quick one on you and the dog fell over in the crate, right? Um, and so now the dog's a little bit resistant about that idea because that one day the scary thing happened. My experience is you can still recover all of that. You might have to go, so for example, if a dog has been tortured with inappropriate crate training with a plastic crate, then I'm going to crate train them to a wire crate. If the dog's been concerned about a wire crate, then I'm going to take the time to build it in carefully Absolutely. with a plastic crate. So, I mean, one of the great options about having so many different kinds of crate systems, right? Or I might start with an exercise pen or start with a settle mat exercise. It doesn't look anything like a crate. Um, right. And then go, okay, well, what if there's a, you know, what if we create a little two-sided box around that that mat. What do you think about that dog, right? So um, I ju- I, so if you are an overseas listener who does not use crates, please give us your input and talk to us about what you do, like when your dog needs exercise restriction that's pretty significant or when they're sick or when they're injured. And like, how do you do that? Like, how do the groomers handle, you know, 15 dogs at their establishment that maybe are not super excited about seeing other dogs. Like, I, cause I don't know how you would, how you would do that. Um, and then if you've had crate training trials and tribulations, we're always happy to help. Right. We want to know what went wrong and what went right. And if you have other suggestions about how I quickly taught my dog to, to like a crate, we'd love to hear those too. So we want to find out what do you do in Europe or like what you do. wherever it is that you happen to be and you don't crate train dogs because that's kind of interesting. What do you do? We want to know um, because that might would be valuable for other listeners whose dogs really, really, really are not going to get in the crate. That no matter what I do, this is not going to work. And we want to be able to offer them options. And two, um, if you've had great crate training success in doing things that we have not talked about we'd love to hear those and if you're having problems let us know we can probably give you some suggestions that will help so um that's the first word because we feel that crates are really important this is just the first part series but one of the things i did want to ask tina before we wrap up this episode is in your 90 days to a perfect puppy do you talk about crate training in that program we do and i talk about all the things that i do that that dog trainers never tell people to do, right? So I want the crate to be such a spectacularly comfortable thing for the puppy that the first few nights um, during the day, we're working on crate training, but those first few nights, I actually put them in bed with me so that if they squirm or they're afraid because they're alone for the first time, we're not associating that huge traumatic stress with the crate. They have my heartbeat. They have the warmth of my body. I will wake up if you squirm like you need to go outside. 
So I want to make sure that that puppy doesn't have their first introduction to a crate being huge levels of distress. I think that's wonderful. I think that's a great idea. So for any of you who are interested, just go to sithappens.us and up in the right-hand corner, you'll see it says 90 days for the perfect puppy. Just sign on up and you'll get all kinds of wonderful information on raising your puppy. And you know what? There's good stuff there for adult dogs too. It doesn't have to just be puppies. I have used it. Oh, now you're right. Yeah, I have used some of that stuff with um, pretty much every one of my clients now does park and pay, no matter how old their dog is. So that's one thing you'll learn is park and pay and sit at uh, 90 Days the Perfect Puppy, and it will change your life. So please like us and subscribe to us on Facebook and other social media. And wherever you get your podcast, is that will help others to find us. And Five-star reviews are always welcome. And we will see you next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.